The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey with another episode of the Real Health Podcast here at Reardon Clinic. And once again, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lucas Timms back with us. Lucas, how you been lately? Been great. Been staying busy and uh, had some time to take a little vacation. So re-energized and uh, ready to get back to, uh, you know, helping a lot of patients here. Well, you know, we, we all need to take good care of ourselves, including the doctors. And so uh, it's, it's surprising. This is a little tangent and it kind of goes along with what we're going to be talking today. You know, doctors suffer a lot from stress and from illnesses relating to overwork and undersleep and those kinds of things. And so today we are talking about the, the last, I, I guess you would say, triplet of the uh, terrain 10, uh, namely how uh, disruption of the circadian system, stress and emotions can uh, increase your risk for cancer. And people say, what? I mean, I've got a lot of stress, doctor, and you're saying that's gonna increase. I thought it was just toxins and chemicals and family genetics, but but you say this can cause cancer? Mm. The- yeah, I think it's not one of those things that gets talked about enough um, in terms of Western medicine, right? Because we like to have a, you know, a physiological target or a pathway or a molecule or a lab that we can point to and say, this is your problem. Um, you know, stress is more of a um, non-tangible. It's hard to quantify. Uh, it's hard for people to measure that, although we do have labs that can measure it. Um, and most of the time, it requires the most amount of work and change to to overcome because it you know, you, you have to really look at what you're doing day in and day out with how you're living your life. Uh, and that's hard for people. And, uh, but we do know that chronic prolonged stress, you know, some stress is good, right? We talk about adaptive sure. stress and hormesis, and that's what drives evolution and, and actually, you know, uh, positive type changes in, in, in the body, but too much chronic prolonged stress, uh, suppresses the immune system, drives growth factors. And if you have a cancer brewing can certainly be like a, you know, like, like a lighter fluid on on that fire. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, tumor cancer is like a thing. It's the tumor. It's the, uh, it's the cells and, and, and the whole Western approach is to attack the, uh, 
the objective aspect of cancer. But, you know, if you think about in literature, people talk about a cancer in their family uh, or a cancer in their business. Uh, so cancer has that kind of connotation of something hidden, something evil, something destructive that is lurking and, and uh, causing harm. And certainly that element of stress kind of, kind of fits that profile of how cancer uh, can develop out of circumstances that are disrupting that person's life. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it can, I think our modern, our modern world here is, uh, it, it, it breeds stress. You know, I think that a lot of people are living lives uh, that we're not meant to live. And uh, with, with the chronic stress between work and family and health and, and all the things that people feel like they have to keep an eye on just to make it, just to survive their day. Um, just, I, I feel like we're, we're not living, uh, we're not living as closely with nature either as, yeah. as, as we probably are designed to. Um, so part of it to me is there's things that drive chronic stress in our society and, and, and in people's own day-to-day lives, but then there's also the lack of things that help us to manage and reduce that stress. And so we're not only taking on more stress, but we're also getting away from the things that help us to de-stress, right? And so we're almost getting hammered on both sides. And and that's why I think it can play such a huge role for people is, um, is that we're, you know, we've got this extra pressure on us every day and we're not doing the things that help our body manage that pressure. You know, loss, the whole sense of loss. Uh, I've, a lot of uh, cancer patients have come in after the loss of a spouse mm. or the loss yeah. of another family member or the loss of, Quite a, common. Loss of a job or an important uh, relationship, uh, uh, loss of independence, like a financial loss or something. And, and then here's another loss, loss of sleep. You know, uh, people don't think about this, but there's some very hardcore evidence now that people who do shift work and don't get regular sleep, they are at a much higher risk of getting cancer. Yeah, another another double whammy because it's causing more stress and removing something that helps us to manage stress, which is that that normal sleep cycle. Um, but yeah, the, the emotional or, you know, losses or, or griefs or traumas, uh, there's a lot of unresolved trauma going around. Um, you know, I think that's a, a normal um, thing in, in our society, but it doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, a lot of it can stem back to childhood, but sometimes it's something that happens, you know, just in that 18 months leading up to a diagnosis. And then the diagnosis itself and going through the treatment becomes an additional stress or an additional layer of stress to manage. So it very quickly can become overwhelming, which is why we try to focus a lot of our early work with our patients on um, how do we start implementing more even short routines on a daily basis that can help our bodies adapt and manage stress um, because it's, uh, it's not enough um, to just be aware of the stress, uh, we, we have to get our body, uh, give it the support it needs and give it those release valves to take some of that pressure off so that the body can find its way back towards more of a normal rhythm and not feel like you're in that fight or flight state 24 seven. 
that's, you know, that's good. If you're in a life-threatening situation where, you, you know, you need to jump out of a burning car or run from a saber toothed tiger, tiger. Uh-huh. but, um, we're not meant to be in that state, uh, all the time. And, and a lot of people are living that way. So just encouraging people to get back into a routine, a, maybe mm. a, a bedtime, just start going to bed about the same time every night and trying to get equal amounts of sleep, get any sleep apnea issues cleared up. Sleep uh, apnea is huge, which be- is obviously related to obesity and, and a lot of the other things that we you know, know are cancer risks, but that could be another additional, you know, that link between obesity and sleep apnea we know is there. And that sleep apnea, what does it do? It creates more stress in the system. It prevents us from getting the restful sleep that promotes stress reduction. And then as we've talked before, you and I, Dr. Ron, it creates a hypoxic environment, which is a hallmark of cancer. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Biocenter Laboratories. The Biocenter Laboratory provides state-of-the-art lab testing and diagnostic services for healthcare providers, laboratories, hospitals, and the general public. Lab tests available through Biocenter include a comprehensive list of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, hormones, and pyrroles. They also provide a variety of standardized tests for disease markers. These markers include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and more. Visit biocenterlab.org to learn more. Cancer cells are regular cells that have shifted back to uh, a different type of metabolism. This is the whole metabolic approach to cancer. If you're, if you're hypoxic, you're, you're causing your cells to move in a cancerous direction. So, uh, so these are all choices that people need to be making. And, uh, and wouldn't you say it would be good for people who are dealing with cancer to, if not to get direct counseling, maybe pastoral counseling, or just opening up with their family a little bit more about what they're feeling? Because oftentimes some of the cancer patients I've seen feel kind of alienated and isolated because people sometimes are afraid of cancer. They don't want to talk about it. And they, uh, it just makes their, their, their sense of, uh, loss even greater. Totally agree. You know, there's no, there's no one, uh, one way to do it. There's lots of, uh, pathways and avenues and, um, things that you can do to sort out more chronic stressors, traumas, griefs, you know, some people choose more of a religious or spiritual route, some people counseling and just talking with, uh, with trusted individuals, uh, helps them to release that, uh, there's, you know, more sort of, uh, uh, newer emerging type therapies like EMDR and, um, things that can actually help reprogram how the body holds on to emotions and trauma. Um, and so we try to, we try to provide patients with different options and then allow them to choose what route they want to take that, that resonates well with them. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, working on the sleep stuff, working on building in daily routines like meditation or some sort of mindfulness practice, um, spending more time in nature, breathing exercises or breath work. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done uh, while you're working on maybe what's driving the underlying stress 
to help mitigate it. And that's what we want to start with. I recall that we we have one of the uh, one of your patients there in Kansas City has been very successful with his cancer. And what's the phrase that he uses? Every day, every way, I'm getting healthier and healthier. Do you remember who I'm talking? You know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about, and I've heard I've heard him say that. And uh, yeah, it is sort of his own personalized mantra uh, for healing. And I'm I'm a big um, I'm a big fan of affirmations Affirmation. and mantras. Yes. Uh, and, you know, they don't need to be, you know, you, you can take someone else's and use it. You know, you can form your own. Um, but those can be very powerful, especially if you're if they're done consistently. That's really, um, you know, the, the patients that I see that do the that do the best with cancer, no matter what early stage, late stage, there's always this common denominator or common component of they're very consistent with their, uh, with their habits, their positive habits, uh, whether that's mental, emotional stuff or eating well or exercise, they're very, very consistent. And so that consistency, whether it's your affirmations or mantras or working on your sleep or meditation, consistency is key. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, they dive into this stuff, but then they don't keep it up. The book that kind of goes into this is a book called Radical Remission, where uh, mm. not there were nine different things that people did that allowed them to get into remission. And I think it was five out of the nine had to do seven. with seven out of the nine had to do with mind body type things that people were doing, just taking control of their life, uh, believing that they could get better getting the uh, spiritual support that they needed. Uh, these are things that we don't think of we th we, you know, when, when it comes to treating cancer or chemotherapy, radiation, but these non-medical life changes can be very powerful ways for people to overcome what, what oftentimes seems like an, an impossible illness to, to get over. Yeah. And, you know, that's been that's been actually uh, quantified. And I believe that is what makes up most of what what we term as the placebo effect. Um, and we know that the placebo effect outperforms most drug therapies when it comes to cancer. It can be as high as 40 percent. Um, and, you know, there's been research that's been done, a great book called Molecules of Emotion by Dr. Pert. Um, it, it's there. There is the mind does act on the physical body to produce physiological changes. And so it's more important that you have a game plan and that you're bought in and that you are, um, that what your game plan is resonates with you rather than saying, well, it has to be exactly this or exactly that. It, it's more important that the belief is there and that, and that's where it can be very different patient to patient in terms of how they approach it. Yeah. So this this is uh, this is the the final segment of uh, looking at the terrain ten, and really in many ways this the metabolic approach to cancer is where people are taking more effective control of their choices uh, in all realms: what they eat, how they exercise, their toxicity, their sleep, uh, their inflammation. All these are areas that we have say so in. And so many times I, I want my patients to, who, with cancer to stand up and say, I am taking control of my life now because what I do may make as much of an importance as 
what the doctor says I should do, maybe more. Totally agree. And this is where we see patients where, you know, uh, cancer can sometimes be, you know, I know it sounds terrible to say this, but the best thing that ever happened to them because it, it's like a wake up call. It's, it, it, it'll, it forces them to do the work and uh, uh, you know, there's no motivation like a, like a life threatening illness for people to make some really hard decisions and changes that, you know, uh, may be difficult in the beginning, but long-term are going to put them in a much better place and allow them to live closer to the life that they're supposed to live. It's, uh, it's true. And uh, it's, 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 strange that in our lives, sometimes it, it takes this level of kind of threat to kind of wake up. But cancer can be a, an amazing wake-up call for people. And so certainly here at the Reardon Clinic, uh, we're doing all we can to help our patients in every way integrate these uh, naturalistic therapies as, as a legitimate part of a healing program. And so Dr. Thames, thanks so much for all you do and your investment in this with your patients and, and the fine comments that I keep hearing about, about your care. So uh, we'll be back though to talk more about these issues, but thanks again. My pleasure, Dr. Ron. It was, uh, it was great going through all this with you. And um, this is, you know, this is just the beginning in terms of, uh, you know, how we can help patients through this metabolic process and approach. So uh, we're always learning more, but for now, this does give us a very solid foundation uh, in order to help patients to fill in all these gaps and make these changes. And so hopefully this information has been uh, helpful for at least to having people have the awareness and maybe take those first few steps. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.